Genesis 16. So, Abram and his wife still did not have any children. And so, Sarai had this Egyptian slave. And she said to Abram, Since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave. Perhaps I can have children through her. So he started off great. Sarai was blaming God for not having children. Despite the fact that you know, she hasn't exactly been following God's instructions for marriage and all of that with, you know, all of her escapades in Egypt. And so Abram agrees. And so Sarai takes Hagar and gives her to her husband. So what's interesting is that here we have a really, really strong parallel with uh, Adam and Eve, where Eve does not trust in God's word that she's heard through her husband. She comes up with another plan. She sees something as an opportunity to fulfill uh, wisdom and, uh, and do something that seems good in her eyes. She takes and she gives some to her husband. Uh, in this case, she takes her slave and gives her slave to her husband in Genesis uh, Eve sees the fruit, takes it for herself, and gives them to her husband. So he he sleeps with her. They get they are, they are married. Um, and as soon as Hagar realizes that she's pregnant, she starts uh, looking down on her mistress. Now, they are husband and wife also, so they are theoretically equals. I want to pause right here and go, this is, so the fact that she was Egyptian does not escape me. So Hagar probably knew them in Egypt, unless they went to Canaan and 10 years later picked up some slaves. But this is, if she is Sarai's slave, then Sarai probably had a slave in Egypt who went with them. And where was Sarai when they were in Egypt? She wasn't with Abram. She was in Pharaoh's household. She was one of the one of Pharaoh's concubines or um, or something along those lines. And so this was likely um, her her handmaid in the royal courts of Pharaoh. So she's used to fairly high status. So there's that's Hagar is um, I, I I didn't think about that. She's Egyptian and she was Sarai's slave and came from Egypt not long ago where Sarai was in the courts of Pharaoh and Abram wasn't even a part of the picture. He was theoretically a brother um, who was getting very, very wealthy off of this relationship. So here we are. Um, she became pregnant. And then, and then what does Sarai do? Sarah immediately blames Abram and says, you are responsible for my suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she's looking down on me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Which seems a bit harsh. Um, and also, not it's not... Yeah. So then, Abram says, here's your slave. Do what you want to her. And so he actually, this is him disowning his wife. Because Hagar is his wife at this point. He has two wives. And he disowns one. And he tells his other one, do what you want. And he knows what she wants. 
and so she does it. Then Sarai mistreated her so much that she ran away from her. So Abram marries this Egyptian slave along with his wife. One of them gets pregnant. This promised child that God has been promising them for years may be going to be fulfilled here. It's the only sign of anything happening for years and years. And then he tells his wife, yeah, go ahead and beat my pregnant wife. In fact, I'm, I'm not even going to call her my wife. How about let's just call her a slave. Go ahead and beat your pregnant slave that has the promise of God in her. This is, this is some messed up stuff. So she ran away, and the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness and asked some questions. And then the angel of the Lord says, you must go back to your mistress and submit to her mistreatments. It doesn't say submit to her and everything will be fine. Submit to her mistreatment. That's terrible. Like, man, a lot, a lot of messed up going on here. But then he gives the promise, which is kind of skewed and seems like it's, you know, almost a curse more than a promise because it has a lot of Cain written all over it. Uh, it says, you will conceive a son and you will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. This man will be like a wild donkey and his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live at odds with his brothers. Not a very you know encouraging blessing, but the angel of the Lord is telling her that her son will live and he will become a great nation, like large nation. I will greatly multiply your offspring, and there will be too many to count. Which is the same blessing that he gave to Abram. And so here, I mean, if we if this is as far as we've read and we didn't know further, we would go, oh, okay. So this is the promised seed, the, the promised fulfillment through Abram to have a nation come out of him. These are his children, and Sarai is, has rejected it. Now we know that there is another that's coming, and uh, yeah. <clears throat> so she named the Lord who spoke to her. And he named him the God who sees. That is Elroy. And, uh, yeah. And then there's this odd odd verse here that I thought was different. And I looked it up just to make sure this is Elroy, because it doesn't say that here. It's That's the that's Hebrew. And Elroy is one of the names that, the names of God that's, you know, we use it enough in English that is a familiar name. And the thing she says is, have I really seen here the one who sees me? And so she names the spring, the well in the wilderness, a well of the living one who sees me. What's interesting is that the quote there is, if, you, if you're looking at the inner, you know, that translation word for word from Hebrew, is, here I have seen the back of him who sees me. And that's interesting because there's another place where uh, someone sees God's back. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's supposed to be connected or not. So I'm not going to run down that trail. But if you want to look that up, there it is. And so Hagar gave birth to Abram's son, 
and Abram gave the name Ishmael to his son Hagar had. Abram was 86 when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. And nothing else happens until Abram is 99 years old. And, and by nothing, I mean, there's nothing in here that says that Sarai stopped abusing and mistreating Hagar and or Ishmael. And what's interesting to me is that uh, Abram was 86, and then 17 verse 1 says he's 99 when something else happens, which means Ishmael is 13, which makes him a man, which actually makes him safe. Because if Sarah was willing to do beatings of a pregnant woman, because she was mad about social standing. What would have happened if she became pregnant while this child was still a child and not a man? If she became pregnant and she realized that she was going to have an heir, what would she have done? Would she have stopped the other heir from making it to adulthood? I don't know. Obviously it didn't happen. But there's a lot of encouragement in this. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of messed up going on in here. But because of that whole that messed up, we can look at this and we can say that God God sees. And God's plan is definitely not our plan. We might not understand what he's doing or why. But he is working and he works through things that are definitely mistakes. Like this was not supposed to, this, this is not God's plan. God makes it very clear this was not his plan later. But he works through it, and he still blesses, and he still encourages, and he still meets the people by the well. Elroy, the God who sees. And he didn't stop the problems, he didn't stop the affliction. But he promised, he, he had a promise to go through it. He said, I will greatly multiply your offspring. And so even through the mistreatment, even through the difficulties, God's promise stands. And that's really hard for us sometimes because we look at our current circumstances and we want solutions to these things now, not to something distant in the future. But God is here present with us through it and more now than than then because we have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in us for those that trust in Jesus and that is encouraging and also that even though these people man Abram and Sarai had some messed up marriage and relationship and stuff going on and God still used them in spite of all of this, which is not to say that God condoned it or uh, or told them it was okay, but that God used them in spite of their screw-ups. And that is very encouraging because I've got some, I've got my own problems, I've got my own vices, issues, and a lot of times we look at the things that we do or say or, or whatever it may be and we say, well, God can't use me because I'm 
broken. I'm I'm not doing the things I should be doing. I haven't built the habits I should have. I have this past. I have this, you know, whatever it may be. But God is willing to use even Abram and Sarai and their messed up, messed up sexual past to do some amazing things, to work through them, to have this promise that eventually brings us Jesus, the Son of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And there is a lot of hope in that.